Welcome to the My Canine Coach Podcast, a show that coaches dog owners on how to achieve their ideal lifestyle with and for their dogs. You'll hear from canine coach Dana as she breaks down actionable dog training protocols, explores current dog training trends, and shares insights from her own experiences owning and working with dogs. Now, here's your host, canine coach Dana. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the My Canine Coach podcast. I'm your host, canine coach Dana, and I'm joined by my sometimes silent co-host, Loki, who's my bohemian shepherd. On this episode, we're going to be talking about a question, as you can probably tell from the title, that I've actually been polling other groups of people who are either part of the dog training industry or they've been involved in dog training or dog ownership to some capacity. I've been asking them this question. And the reason why this question has been on my mind lately is because every once in a few months, I reassess how my business is doing and how I'm doing. And what often comes to mind is this question of, am I doing my job as well as I could be? Or am I meeting the expectations of my clients? In order for me to be able to answer that question, though, I have to know what's the job of a dog trainer, which is what the focus of this episode is. And something that seems like such an easy question, because it's really short, what, it's it's five words long. <laughs> it seems like you should very easily be able to answer that question, but I keep getting, and what comes to my mind are very complicated answers. And maybe I just make it overly complicated because that's my brain's favorite activity. <laughs> now, I have spent time trying to make my answer to this question as simple as I possibly can. So I'm trying really hard not to overcomplicate it. And I do have a personal answer to the question. But before I get into what I think the job of a dog trainer is, I first wanted to ask a lot of my peers. And I also wanted to ask a lot of owners that I have either worked with or that I have access to through social media and Facebook groups because I wanted to see if there were any commonalities between my answer and the answers from people who have had experience with a dog trainer or who own dogs or who have considered hiring a trainer before or are a trainer themselves. I wanted to see if there were any commonalities amongst their answers. And also I wanted to see if my answer had anything in common with theirs. So I posed this question to a lot of different groups of people, and I'm grateful that many did answer. So I do have a good chunk or a good amount of responses that I was able to comb through. But before I even share those, I want to take us a little bit back in time to the version of myself that existed before I got into training, before I even owned a dog, so that I can better explain to you guys where my thought process was at the time of what I thought the job of a dog trainer was. And that way I can better unpack how my experiences have molded and changed my personal answer to that question. I also wanted to go back and try to remember what I thought the answer of that question might be at that time when I didn't own a dog and I had nothing to do with dog training because I know many of you listening may be at that point in 
your life experience where either you just got a dog and so you're just starting to figure out what it's like to own a dog and what training may entail or maybe you're listening because you think you're going to be getting a dog but you haven't had any experience yet I was in that camp for a period of time in my life and I had opinions back then so I want to talk about those first because maybe that's going to be something that you guys can relate to now it is hard with all the knowledge and the experience that I have now to remember what was going through my mind way back when I was first looking to hire a dog trainer to help me train CODA. Uh, For people who are just joining this podcast and they don't know much about me, CODA was my first ever dog. He was a cattle dog that my husband and I got when we first started dating. And after we got him, we didn't know what we were doing and we needed some help. And so we began the process of trying to find a trainer. At that time, the, to the best that I can remember, some of the things that stand out to me from my experience and my perspective at that time was that I had a very huge gap and a huge lack of knowledge in terms of what it means to be a dog trainer and what I, as a client, would receive in the service that they would be providing me. My perspective on that was extremely limited because I just had no prior experience. At the time, I hadn't owned a dog before, so I never really considered what it would take to train a dog or what it would take to get a dog to behave. I didn't grow up with dogs. Um, I'm allergic to dogs, ironically enough. Uh, They don't bother me so much anymore because I think I've kind of like inoculated myself to the allergen. But um, my father's allergic to dogs and my brother's allergic to dogs. So dogs was just not something that we would be having (laughs) as a child growing up um, in my family home. And really much of my understanding of what dog ownership was or what it was like to have a dog was founded in the very limited experience that I had with other people's dogs. So my aunt and uncle had a dog that was much um, older by the time that I started to remember what it was like to be around that dog. And so that dog just kind of like did its thing. It was very routine in its ways. It didn't have a lot of energy It also was just really good at being in social settings. So like being around a lot of people or being around other dogs, like didn't bother it whatsoever. It just kind of like was aloof and just did its own thing. Never was a problem with any of the kids. So like that was my expectation of what it was like to own any dog because that was my very limited experience around a singular dog. And that became the bedrock of what I thought dog ownership was like. Later in my teenage years, a different aunt and uncle of mine got a German Shepherd and my uncle trained it to listen very obediently to him and it was extremely well behaved and it was also really bonded to its uh, family and the kids who were my cousins and they lived right next door to us so we would play all the time and I would be around that dog all the time too but again it was extremely well behaved 
and it never caused any problems. It just kind of liked to be around us. Uh, that dog, you could leave outside, like in the yard, like an open yard without a fence, and it wouldn't run away. Like it would just stay there and wait for you. Um, so that was like my experiences that I was drawing from in terms of what dog ownership is supposed to be like. So then when I got Coda, that's what I expected my experience would be. I think I also can remember, not that I really gave it much thought at the time, but I do remember seeing, you know, other people on walks with their dogs. It always looked like a pleasant experience. Like you're just out on a walk, your dog is just walking with you, having a okay time, I guess. Like I never really gave it much thought, but it just didn't really look like anything that would be too challenging. So I think I remember when we decided to get a dog, drawing from all that experience, I never really thought that owning a dog could be a challenge or could be a problem or could cause problems or issues. I think I very much had this understanding that was founded in this logic of, well, other people own dogs and they seem to do just fine. All the other people that I've experienced, all the other people that I've seen stranger-wise who walk their dogs seem to be getting along just dandy with their dog. I never hear about any problems. I'm confident in my abilities as just a human being. So I felt that I certainly could be a person who could own a dog. And if I wanted to put in any extra effort, I could ensure that my dog is one of those well-behaved dogs that you know people aren't annoyed to be around. So I really didn't think that it was going to be this massively challenging experience. And I think my thought process at the time was, basically, how hard can it be if so many other people do it? And I never really hear that it's a problem. Um, well, it became a problem <laughs> because I got a really wild child of a dog that I clearly had no idea how to manage and how to train. I didn't know what I was doing. And with this very basic, um, micro-focused, uh, limited understanding at the time, I didn't really know what I needed to do to improve my situation. So I ended up looking for a trainer. And when I started that process, I remember that I basically was just looking for someone who very simply knew how to solve the problems that I was having. And I fully expected that they would be able to solve them for me. I didn't really think much about how the problems would be solved, like if I was going to be doing the training or if the trainer would come every so often and work with us or if the trainer would be doing the training for us and somehow we would reap the benefits of having Coda behave better. I just figured that they would come solve the problem because they're the expert and that they would be capable of helping us. Also remember at the time, thinking that any dog trainer that I found local to me would be sufficient to help me. Like there was no doubt in my mind that I needed to really shop around for a trainer. I never really considered that dog training could have multiple modalities or methodologies and areas of expertise and degrees of skill and competency. I just thought of a dog trainer as a job 
that is basically the same no matter who you hire. Sure, you may pay like slightly different prices based on the experience that that service person has, like how long they may be in the industry. But I didn't think that there really was going to be this big difference between hiring person A or hiring person B. I just remember I very much thought of it like hiring a service person to come fix something. And if they said that they're skilled in fixing that problem that I have, then they just would be able to do it. Like if my dryer broke, I could hire a service professional for that particular model or that particular brand. And I just expect that they would be able to come to my house and fix it because that's their expertise. And that was really what my mindset was in regards to Coda's behavior as well. I saw it more as like a problem that needed fixing. And I expected that the trainer that I hired would be capable and fully able of solving that problem because that's what I would be paying for. And I saw Coda's behavior more so as something that was very um, black and white. Like it, he did X. I don't want him to do X anymore. How do I make that stop? That's how I'm, that's how my brain really focuses on things too. I'm a very logic oriented person. I don't really see things in the middle gray area. I am very like, if this happens, then that should happen. I'm a very black and white person in how I try to approach solving things. And because I thought of a dog trainer as basically like a service person who just has the skill to come in and fix a problem, I didn't really think that the fact that we're working with a living being that has its own unique behaviors and motivators and emotions would then cause the process to be less, very less than straightforward. Most often dog training is very up and down and sometimes backwards, but over time the trend is that you're moving forward. But I wasn't really thinking of it in that terms at the time. And reflecting on all of this as I was prepping for this episode, it did bring up some moments of shame, I guess might be the right word for that for me. Because that was just thinking about my mindset at the time. I didn't really like that I kind of considered Coda's behavior as like robotic um, math problems, basically, that you could solve. Like, oh, that's a problem. Let's just fix it. There's got to be one solution out there. Um, And I mean, I guess shame isn't the best answer. There was nothing major. I say maybe more like cringy is the better way to describe it. Uh, than any other word. But it makes sense that because that was my degree of knowledge and understanding at the time, and the fact that I was operating based on very limited experience, it makes sense that I would be thinking along those lines. I can certainly say that I've transformed exponentially in terms of growth and expertise in this area since then, which is like my personal purpose in life, which is to improve again and again over time. Um, Although we're getting off topic here. (laughs) So (laughs) basically that was my perspective as best as I can remember it when I first sought out a trainer. I wanted to hire anyone with that particular title, dog trainer, at a price point that I could afford, (laughs) who I assumed would just have the competency to solve my problem 
And I do believe that I also assumed that they would be doing the handling of my dog a lot for me. And then that I would be reaping the benefits of a trained dog in turn or a more trained dog at the end of each lesson or when the lessons ended. But that's also kind of foggy in my memory in terms of like how training was going to be done. And because most of the time memory is faulty, (laughs) I uh, did ask my husband, Andrew, what he could remember he was thinking at the time. And he said that his perspective was that the trainer was an instructor coming to teach us how to do it. So he was expecting that somebody would come here, show us how to solve the problems that we were having, and then we would follow the instruction and do the training ourselves, which is very different and very opposite from my perspective, funnily enough. Mine was more like, like I said, like a service person who was coming to fix it. They would come here, they would know everything that needed to be done, they would take care of it, and then we would end up with our solved problem. But that's basically what both of us were thinking at the time. Andrew, to give background on his experience with dogs, he hadn't ever hired a dog trainer before either. Although he did grow up with dogs, his first dog died when he was young, so he wasn't involved in uh, training that dog at all. And his second dog, Minnie, was pretty fearful of men, so he didn't interact a lot with her in the way that you would expect, especially in terms of training. So we both kind of came to this moment with no real experience working with a dog trainer and no other expectations besides the ones that we were imagining in our head. So I share our two mindsets because I know a lot of you listening now are probably at the very same moment in your lives with your dog or could have recently been in that same moment with your dog where you might just be on the cusp of looking for a trainer or you're about to start looking for a trainer or you may be in the very early stages of working with a trainer for the first time and coming to that with very little experience or perhaps uncertain expectations of how the training is going to go. And that's exactly where I was. If I was going to answer the question of what's a dog trainer as past Dana, as old version of myself, I would say that my answer at the time probably would be a dog trainer is someone you hire that helps you fix the problems that you're having with your dog. And that's like a very generic, non-specific, rudimentary, basic answer. It in no way defines what the responsibilities are of a dog trainer at all, and it's very results-oriented from the perspective of the owner specifically, more so than the perspective of the dog. But that's the best that I could probably answer that question at the time because I just had no foundation of knowledge to support any more of a robust answer than that. Now, if I were to answer that question now, it would be an entirely different answer because I don't think along those lines anymore. And I've also experienced both sides of the relationship. I've been the client and I've also been the dog trainer and I'm still experiencing both sides of that relationship. With Loki, I'm working with peers as a client and I'm trying to learn and improve myself 
but that means that I'm being reliant on their skill and expertise. I'm very much the client in that situation, and I'm relying on the trainer to help and assist me. I'm also currently running my own canine coach business, as you know. Otherwise, I don't know why you'd be listening to this, (laughs) which means that I have my own clients who are relying on me for those things. So with my current perspective and experience within the dog training industry, I have an entirely different answer than the one that I would have given years ago when I first sought out a trainer. But before I share that, I want to go through and share some of the answers that I got from my peers in the industry and from those other groups of people, especially owners. I had texted a lot of people that I'm connected with who are fellow trainers and I asked fellow dog owners who are in Facebook groups that I'm a part of to answer this question, what's the job of a dog trainer? And I'm not going to read you all the responses that I got, but instead what I want to do is share some of the commonalities or recurring themes that were surfacing in the answers that I was getting. And because I truly believe in working smarter, not harder, I asked my good friend ChatGPT to analyze all of the responses that I had gotten from fellow trainers and to identify the most common responses that I received. So out of all the trainers that answered, I put all those answers into ChatGPT and I was like, hey, ChatGPT, can you pull out any recurring themes here? And there were two themes that showed up repetitively in the responses that I was getting. And the number one theme that surfaced was that dog trainers are responsible for teaching. And again, this is from the trainers group. That's the group of people that we're talking about. Those are the responses that I'm talking about right now. What do other trainers think the job of a dog trainer is? So this theme that trainers are responsible for teaching was described by ChatGPT, and this is what ChatGPT said in summary. A central aspect of a dog trainer's job involves educating both the dog and its owner. This includes imparting skills, knowledge, and techniques to the owner to effectively train and communicate with their dog. Now that summary definition by ChatGPT does include a buzzword that kind of gives away the second theme that I identified, or really that it identified. (laughs) But before we jump into that one, I do want to spend a little bit of time on this one. And that's because part of my personal definition of what a dog trainer's job is, is to educate. It follows that if you hire a person in a specific field or industry to assist you with something, one of the reasons that you're hiring them is because you lack expertise in that field. Because if you knew everything, then you wouldn't need to hire that person in the first place. So you're paying for their oftentimes years of experience in that field so that you don't have to go and get the same years of experience or do all the research that they come to the table with for you. Now, how all this knowledge or experience or expertise is used depends on what the services that you're hiring this person for. In my case, or in my example of hiring somebody to come fix my dryer, I wouldn't expect that the person I hired would come here to teach me all about the components that go into a dryer, how it operates, what these parts are, how to fix and replace certain parts. I would just expect that they would come here, use the knowledge that they already have to fix my dryer for me, and then maybe 
they would impart a little bit of knowledge on me after they fixed it to explain what they did, why they did it, and what I can do to avoid having that problem from happening again in the future. But I wouldn't expect them to give me a full-blown education on my dryer. In that type of situation, I'm fully expecting the person that I hired to use their knowledge on their own, separate from me. But when it comes to dog training, we're not working on a machine. We're working on a living being. So when you hire a dog trainer, I see it, and it seems like the majority of the peers that I polled agree that it's our job to educate you, the owner, on how, emphasis on the word how, to do the training yourself and educate you on your dog's behavior, breed characteristics, the list goes on and on. But it's our job to help you not only understand your dog better, but also expand your working knowledge on how dog training works. I see it as my job to help you become the expert on your dog and know how dog training works to a certain degree or a certain level so that even after our lessons are over and we've achieved what we set out to work on, you have enough knowledge to be able to work through other dog training challenges that may arise over the course of time that you own that dog without needing my direct help anymore. So in the scenario of dog training, yes, you're hiring somebody who already has the knowledge and the expertise so that you don't have to go out and acquire that on your own over a very long period of time to reach the same level that this service person has attained, but you're not hiring them so they can just do all the work for you and then give you a fixed version of your dog. You're actually hiring them so they can turn you into a mini trainer, basically. Because dogs are complex beings, learning one thing or a few things from one person over the course of a few lessons or through a board and train, perhaps, is not going to guarantee long-term behavior change. If we want our dogs to be better over the entire course of their lives, then the owner has to be able to maintain the training on their own away from the trainer or without the trainer, which means that it's our job as trainers to give you, the owner, as much information as you need to be that trainer for your dog well after we're done working together. And now here's where I get kind of to this, I guess we could say sticky part in all of this, which is that I truly don't believe that it's the trainer's job to ensure results or to achieve results. And I know that when I say that, oftentimes people give me like this baffled look or they look kind of shocked. (laughs) But what I mean by that is that I wholly think that it's the trainer's job to educate, teach skills and techniques, and provide the owner with all the information that they would need in order to achieve the goals that they want. But ultimately, it's the owner's responsibility to ensure that those goals are achieved. And that's what I mean when I say that behavior change is not guaranteed for life after working with a trainer. The change itself may come about and likely will come about when the trainer is working with that owner or when the dog is in that trainer's care if it's a board and train situation. But if that change is to be maintained over time, if that change is to stay permanently, 
then that's the responsibility of the owner because eventually the dog trainer goes away. The dog and the owner graduate from training because they now have all the tools and the skills and the knowledge necessary to maintain the progress that was made when the trainer was working with them. And so the trainer is no longer part of that equation anymore. They leave, they move on to the next client. You're now on your own with your dog. Additionally, the dog's gonna spend the majority of its time with the owner and not with the trainer. Even if we're talking about a board and train situation where the dog is living with a trainer from anywhere from like two to eight weeks in some cases, that's still a blip in comparison to the lifetime of that dog. So just in terms of consistency alone, the responsibility of being consistent with the training falls on the owner because the trainers are just not going to be there all the time. And if we want our dog to achieve certain goals, that means that the owner is going to have to put in the majority of the work to ensure that those goals are achieved. And so some of you listening perhaps may not agree with me and that's okay, but I don't see it as my job to ensure results. I see it as my job to give you everything you need to achieve those results. But ultimately the responsibility of attaining those goals falls on you, the owner. The burden that falls on the trainer is having the knowledge and the skills that are necessary to provide owners so that they can certainly achieve their goals. Which is why sometimes I actually refer clients out to other trainers and that's simply because I know that I don't have the knowledge or the skills that 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 owner and that dog need from their trainer. Sometimes I just don't have all the answers and that's okay because I'm constantly trying to better myself and expand my knowledge and my skill set, diversify my caseload, and so that over time, I hopefully will be referring less and less of owners who come asking for help from me. But not everybody can know everything. And if I can't uphold my end of that deal or my responsibility in terms of this job as a dog trainer, then I have no place taking that client on. So although this perspective may come across as controversial or you may not entirely agree with my viewpoint, that's how I define my responsibility when I'm hired as a dog trainer. My burden is to be a provider. It's to give onto others the things that they need in order to be successful. But whether or not they are successful is not my responsibility. That falls on the owner. Now, like I mentioned in that beautiful chat GPT summary. <laughs> that summary did include a buzzword for the next theme or the second theme that surfaced frequently in the responses that I got from fellow dog trainers, which was communication. That was a word that was included in so many of the answers and not in the way that you might think in terms of being able to effectively communicate with clients nay nay, most of the answers referred to communication in terms of helping owners better understand and communicate with their dog. So the second theme of communication, ChatGPT summarized it as well, and it said, another aspect of a dog trainer's job is bridging the communication gap between humans and dogs with an emphasis on fostering strong bonds and rapport between the dog and its owner. Now, this was missing from my personal definition of a dog trainer's job, and I think 
The reason why I didn't call this out specifically is because I lump helping an owner and a dog communicate better under the generic umbrella or the overarching umbrella of educating owners. I see this as a specific area that I would focus on when I'm working with an owner and educating them, but I wouldn't see it as a separate entity that I would be working on. Now, based on the answers that I got, the reason why I could see other trainers emphasized building this communication system or helping dogs and owners communicate better with each other was because if you can achieve that, then most of the behavior problems that owners experience could be resolved or have the potential to be resolved because the owner and the dog now have a way of communicating with each other what their needs and wants are. And what I mean by that is during the process of building a better communication connection between the dog and the owner, the owner starts to learn more about their dog along the way. And often as a direct result, their relationship with each other improves, which is often the root of what owners are looking for by hiring a dog trainer. Yes, they want the countersurfing to stop or the barking or the pulling on leash. They want all of these things to stop. But the reason why they want those things to stop is because it's causing conflict within their relationship between them and the dog. So ultimately, what they're looking for is to feel better about their relationship and how they live with their dog. So that's why I'm saying improving the relationship between a dog and an owner is often the root of these very specific problems that get focused on when they seek out a trainer to help them. Owning a dog should be a joyful experience, at least in my opinion. It should bring you joy to own a dog. However, sometimes it gets confusing and there's conflict. And if you ask any human relationship expert or therapist, most couple problems are caused by miscommunication or a lack of communication. And so here we are back again to ensuring that the dog and the owner can communicate back and forth effectively and in a way that enhances their relationship. I also think that the word communication was used a lot because that's a tangible thing that we can help owners do better at. But what I think we're striving to help owners achieve is a better understanding of their dog. So communication is the literal thing that we can work on But why we're working on that very literal thing is so that the owner and the dog better understand each other. Helping an owner learn how to communicate effectively with their dog and also learn how to receive information from their dog is how we can get them to better understand their dog. With that clarity, owners feel better about their dog's behavior. It doesn't seem like it's coming from nowhere. And because they now feel that they understand their dog better, They also feel like they have the skills or the ability to modify that behavior however they need to through the use of this new founded communication system. So those two were the big two that ChatGPT pulled out. Educating and building a communication system therein improving the relationship between an owner and their dog. Those are the most common ones. Those are our big top two. Now, there were other themes that ChatGPT did pull out, 
but they didn't seem to fit the core of what a dog trainer's job is. At least that was my opinion, and this is my podcast, so you get my opinion. But they seemed like secondary or subsets to the most basic core of what a dog trainer's job truly is. And I'll go through a few of them because they were they were common, so they do deserve mentioning. But to me, they just weren't all encompassing enough to be considered robust enough to fully encapsulate what the job of a dog trainer is. So to name a few of these quickly, problem solving was one of them. Dog trainers are often seen as problem solvers, and it's true that we can help owners solve problems, but I couldn't consider this our job because it's in conflict with what I said earlier, that I don't believe that it's a dog trainer's responsibility to ensure results. And the identity problem solver implies that the owner's problems are always going to be solved no matter what. And in my experience, that's just not always the case for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's the trainer, sometimes it's the dog, sometimes it's the owner, sometimes it's a conflict of beliefs, sometimes it's an opinion on methodology, sometimes it's a lack of commitment. It, it can be many things. So for this one, I would prefer to lean more on the responsibility to educate and teach. And in doing so, you would be providing owners with a potential solution to their problem. But whether that solution comes about relies too heavily on so many other factors that I can't say that dog trainers are problem solvers, period. We do certainly have a knack for pivoting and adjusting as needed when things don't go according to plan. We have an uncanny ability to problem solve and attack issues from different angles, but to me that's more of a skill set than it is our job as dog trainers. Holistic approach was another one. Many trainers take a holistic approach to dog training and they consider factors such as the dog's physical and mental well-being, genetics, breed characteristics, and environmental factors. I don't consider this to be a dog trainer's job because to me it's just a standard practice of what should be considered whenever you're taking on a client's case. I certainly would say it's part of the job, but looking at a case holistically is not necessarily what you're being hired for. If you were to just provide that, I would wager that you wouldn't be meeting the expectations of the client, nor would you be moving past the consideration and planning phases of how to go about training. You'd kind of be stuck in that land and you never really would have moved on to that crucial phase of the practical work and making the training happen. And there were two more that I'll mention. The first is coaching. Coaching clients on various training techniques and methods, I typically would lump that into teaching and educating again, even though it's in my business name. And I do see myself as a coach for my clients, but the job of a coach is to teach and educate and impart practical skills to their student. So I guess it's just another way to say educate and teach. It's just, uh, I think it's lacking. It's less specific and calls to mind more of like, the encouragement side of what it means to be a coach, to empower your students or your athletes or your actors or your clients to feel confident in what they're doing. I think that a great trainer is capable of coaching their clients in that way, but I wouldn't say that it's necessary for the job or it's the most basic definition of what the job is. It certainly helps and ensures that everyone is happier along the way, 
but it's not the core of what a dog trainer's job is. And lastly, empathy and understanding, those two were lumped together. Understanding the needs and the perspectives of both dog and their owners is essential for a dog trainer. And this includes empathy towards both parties and recognizing individual limitations and capabilities. Again, I see this though as a skill that would help you stand out as a dog trainer amongst other dog trainers and it may help you better communicate and connect with your clients, but it's not in and of itself a whole job definition. So basically in sum, if you asked a bunch of trainers like I did what they think their job is, those are the kind of responses that you would get. And along the way of me talking about it, I did sprinkle in what my answer or some of what my answer is to this question of what's a dog trainer's job. So before I read that, I I do want to preface when I sat down to write my own answer, I did not read any of the answers that I had gotten from my peers yet. I took a stab at answering that question on my own so that I wasn't influenced by what other trainers were saying. And so that my answer came from my own original thoughts that hopefully are unbiased from anyone else's perspective except my own. But it's funny because there are some common words that you'll hear in it, even ones that I said that I actually wouldn't use. But basically, here's my answer to the question. The job of a dog trainer is to provide accurate and current information to an owner about dogs and dog behavior so they are capable of achieving the goals they have in mind for their dog and for themselves. We are here to act as experts and impart knowledge that the general public does not have. We also are expected to have acquired a level of competency in practical skills that allow us to therein coach others on how to acquire the same skills necessary to train their dog. So that's it. That's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. There were words in there that I just said that I wouldn't use, like coach. I didn't include communication or relationship in there, although I would say I like the call out, but I just feel that that's part of what naturally comes about the process of working with an owner and educating them about their dog. But that's my definition. That's what we came here for. Now, I did say that I also asked like the average dog owner what they think a dog trainer's job is. And I didn't get as many responses from dog owners themselves, so I didn't have to tap ChatGPT to help me on this one. But the number one thing that came up again and again in people's responses was that the job of a dog trainer is to teach or coach the humans, which is funny because that's often something that comes about midway through my lessons with my clients. They come to this understanding that I'm really there to teach them how to do things. And typically I do work, don't get me wrong, I work with the dog. I teach the dog how to do certain things and I do the training with the dog first. And then I teach the owner how to do what I just did so that they can maintain it. But that's because I'm only there for an hour with that dog. They have 24 hours with that dog every single day. So yes, I'm going to use my skills to work directly with the dog, but most of the time I'm 
trying to help educate and teach the owner how to do basically what I just did so that they can maintain that for the other hours of the day when I'm not there. But I'm now realizing that probably the reason why this happens with my clients is because it aligns with my personal definition of what my job is, which is to help them do the training. Now take all of that with a grain of salt because, of course, the owners that I have access to either have worked with me before or they worked with other trainers that I'm connected with. So they're likely biased to some degree, biased by having worked with me in the past, or they're biased because they know of my training style. So keep that in mind with the answers that I got from owners. But that's basically the most common way that an owner answered this question was, They thought that a dog trainer's job is to come in and actually coach and teach them because they're the ones that need the most help so that they then can help their dog. And so now that you've listened to this whole episode, I am curious to hear if you agree or disagree with my definition or with the owners that I've talked to, their definition, or with any of the definitions that the other dog trainers gave me, although now you're biased because you just listened to me talk about this for how long have we been going now? Somewhere, you know, close to an hour or something like that. So (laughs) you're a little bit biased now too, but I do want to hear what you think a dog trainer's job is. Go to the Facebook group and answer that question for me. I'm going to put a post in there. I'm going to ask you guys what you think a dog trainer's job is, and I want you to answer it. And that's it for this episode. A bit of a heady episode, a little bit philosophical, but that's just the kind of person that I am. So if you like that way of thinking, then you're certainly in the right place because there will be more of it. (laughs) So if you did enjoy this episode, you found some value in it, please share it with a fellow dog owner and then subscribe them to the show so that they get notifications on their phone when future episodes drop. If you'd like to get in touch with me about training or to get feedback, or even to ask me a question, the best way to do that is by visiting my website, myk9coach.com, and requesting a consultation. Or you can send me an email at caninecoachdana at gmail.com. Both of those are listed in the show notes. You can also subscribe to the email list via my website to get updates on all things Canine Coach, get training tips, alerts when episodes drop, and for my email list people, I send a newsletter in the middle of each month that recaps all the major points of that month's podcast episode. So you don't have to go back and listen to the full episode to review all the highlights. So jump on that email list if you want those newsletter emails or any of those other benefits of being on the email list. But most importantly, please like and review my show to help it grow. That's the best way that you can support this podcast and support the episodes that I put out. But that's it for this episode. I will see you next time. Loki and I are going to go do some cool dog stuff.